Hello and welcome to Talking HE, my name is Santanu Vasant. In this episode, we discuss the topic of the ideal student with Dr. Tiffany Chu, Senior Teaching Fellow in Educational Development at Imperial College London, and Dr. Billy Wong, Associate Professor at the Institute of Education, University of Reading. We hope you enjoy this episode. So hello, my name is Tiffany Chu. I am a Senior Teaching Fellow in Educational Development at the Centre for Higher Education Research and Scholarship at Imperial College London. I lead a staff development program that enhances their learning and teaching practice. And I teach topics such as student transition and progression and educational learning and teaching theories. And these are also my areas of research interest. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Billy Wong, and I am an associate professor at the Institute of Education, University of Reading. Uh, I have been doing research uh, in the sociology of education for over 10 years, looking into the career aspirations and lived experiences of young people from minoritized backgrounds, from secondary to higher education. Uh, so thank you for inviting us again. I'd like to start off by asking you, is there such a thing as an ideal student? Thank you. Uh, yes, I think there is. And I think we all have ideas about what we expect and what we would like to see in students. And of course, those ideas might be different depending on your role and position. But we want those expectations to be explicit and we should all be saying those expectations out loud so we can see how similar or different our ideals are. And then we could start a discussion about these views. But what we need to be very clear about is that we may have different ideas about the ideal students in terms of the student characteristics and attributes. And that leads us to a few more questions, especially what is the ideal student? Why is it important? And who is the ideal student? So on the what question, the concept of the ideal student can be seen as a way of thinking that encourages us to talk about our explicit, implicit and idealistic expectations of students in an educational context. And then we move on to the why question. Why is it important? Now, we know from existing research that implicit or hidden expectations can disadvantage students, particularly those who struggle to understand or play the higher education game. So by being transparent on what we want and desire of students, this openness will help to reduce the mismatches of expectations especially between staff and students, but also amongst staff or students themselves. The final related question, who is the ideal student? So who the ideal student is can depend on the context, the individual or the discipline or circumstance, because you know, as I said, what is considered to be ideal depends on the situation. So for example, our earliest research on social science lecturers highlighted specific personal and academic skill sets that teachers want to see from their students. And these include the characteristics of being prepared, engaged and committed, as well as being critical, reflective and making progress. 
and ability to achieve high grades, however, was not really mentioned as an important attribute. And in a more recent work, we find that being diligent and engaged, such as having a strong work ethic or a positive learning attitude, to be the most important features in an ideal student. And that's the same for both staff and students, regardless of their subject disciplines, universities or demographic backgrounds. By comparison, being intelligent is still the least important, uh, relatively speaking. And we actually mapped out eight interrelated dimensions of the ideal students, with diligence and engagement being the most important. And these characteristics, we hope, will provide some insights into what is typically expected of students in higher education. But I think it's also important that we unpack what we mean by the ideal students. So I think Tiffany's got a few words to say there. Yeah, uh, thank you, Billy. So yes, um, our um, working definition of the concept of the ideal student is that um, the ideal student constitutes the desirable but realistic expectations of students. And it is important to emphasize that the ideal student is not about perfection, nor being the best or the highest. So we think this is important as very often students seem to associate the word ideal with the word perfect. Perfect. So being perfect suggests it's flawless in that nothing should be changed to make things better. However, the ideal student is actually constructed where making progress or having room for improvement is quite an essential part of that identity. So we argue that the ideal student is not the same as the perfect student and we need to disentangle these two terms. So yes, we believe that there is such a thing as an ideal student, but it is not fixed or singular. Mm, thank you both. That's really interesting. What do you think teachers need to keep in mind about student expectations? Okay, great. Th th thank you. I think it is a really good question. So I think it is important for teachers in higher education to keep in mind that very often students might not know how they were learned at the university, and it is quite dangerous to assume that they know. So it is quite common for students to feel some uncertainty as they find their place in the new learning environment and experience different forms of learning and teaching to what they may have been used to at school. So at schools, um, as we might know, students tend to learn within a fairly well-confined curriculum or subject content. Whereas at university, in many cases, students will often be expected to prepare the before the taught sessions and perhaps by completing some pre-session work or readings and to engage actively in their own learning process. So students might also explore their particular areas of interest beyond what is taught in the curriculum. So in other words, they are on a journey to become an independent and self-regulated learner. And often the transition from school to university can be daunting and challenging, and especially for students from non-traditional and underrepresented backgrounds. So it is very important we support the students' transition and progression as they develop their independent learner identity. And I think we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, and just to you know, quickly echo what Tiffany said, you know, students start university with different dispositions and understandings. And when we have a diverse range of students, there will be different ideas about what it means to be a student. Uh, but the key message for teachers is just a reminder that our students all have a different starting point. 
and some will be learning to learn in the higher education context. So it is essential that we do not assume that all students are the same uh, with a full understanding of you know, what is expected of them. So it is important that teachers uh, or lecturers to remain open, transparent and explicit about what they expect from students, you know, spell out what they mean and hopefully maybe even offer examples uh, in their specific context. Just a follow-up question. You said that students from a non-traditional background might find it more difficult in higher education. Why is that? So non-traditional students or students who are the first generation in the families will have fewer support from the family in terms of what higher education is about. So if we compare it to more traditional or middle-class students whose parents may have went to higher education, they will have a stronger understanding of how higher education works and how it operates. Whereas if you are from a non-traditional background or if you're the first person in your family, you are stepping into a new system where there are very little people outside of the situation who can, who can offer you the advice, the support and the resources that will help you navigate the different implicit and hidden rules of education. And that certainly makes the whole journey a bit more challenging. Thank you. I absolutely agree with that. Do you think student expectations are met in HE at the moment? Yeah, so uh, this is a challenging question, uh, as it very much depends on the context. So I'm aware that a lot of effort has been made to support and enhance students' learning experience, especially since the pandemic, which has drastically changed the way we teach and the way we learn. And despite all the challenges and restrictions, um, I can see a range of um, pedagogical innovations in education using a variety of online platforms and how inst institutions, staff and students have coped and adapted to this change. Uh, having said that, we understand that the social aspects of students' learning experience probably hasn't been able to maximize given the restrictions and therefore the expectations of developing a sense of belonging to a place, to a space or you know, to an academic community might not be met from the perspectives of students. So uh, what, what do you think, Billy? Yeah, I mean, I think what students expect at university and from universities have changed significantly. I mean, in England, the rise in tuition fees have certainly brought forward the idea of the market and consumerism. So we really need to reevaluate what students want and what universities can be expected to provide. And all of that requires us to manage expectations and be fairly clear about our respective roles and responsibilities. And, and more importantly, are these expectations realistic and achievable? Because with limited resources, we need to be fairly conscious of what is viable and sustainable. What is the ideal student experience in the future? Yeah, um, I think we need to really reflect on the purpose of education before we begin thinking about you know, the ideal students and what the experiences of that might be. So for some, you know, the purpose of university might be pragmatic. So getting the degree, uh, but for others, it might just be to live away from home or making new friends, learning to be independent, or even all of that, the full student experience that includes getting a degree alongside a vibrant social life. So for universities, I think especially the student unions, I think they will play a fairly key role to ensure that the structures, the support and the systems are in place to allow students to learn and progress both in the social and personal context, as well as the academic accomplishments on post-degree pathways. 
and it, it is definitely not an easy task. And whilst a lot of work, and a lot of work has already gone into supporting, you know, the career skills of students. And as Tiffany mentioned already, the pandemic has certainly highlighted a lot of issues. And one of the, which we are all accustomed to now is digital learning. Uh, but you know, we also highlighted the inequalities in digital resources and digital access. So if blended learning or virtual learning becomes more normal, then you know, perhaps digital skills and digital literacies will become ever more important. So universities, tutors, and even students must continue to adapt and be flexible to ensure that you know, we are, we are giving the best experience that students can have. Uh, what do you think, Tiffany? Yep. So um, to me, um, the ideal student experience would be that individual students are, are able to take a holistic approach to their learning and education because this can help them to value the importance of transferable and higher order skills that goes beyond just the focus on the academic uh, grades. So uh, let me give you an, an example. So in universities that are highly competitive, students often feel the high grades are normal or even the minimum expectations so this kind of perceptions is quite dangerous and and this has led some students to prioritize their academic outcomes rather than this all-rounded um, individual that students also seem to to want to become such as engaging in different extracurriculum activities and and or developing their transferable skills um, so for universities it is important that there are these regular conversations about what it means to be a student. And it is also useful for us to revisit our curriculum and pedagogies to make sure that where possible, we offer students a, a wide range of opportunities to apply what they have learned from their studies in these real world situations. So that for me would be ideal. Do you think that the real world applications should be embedded within the curriculum as a bolt-on to the curriculum? Should it be credited or uncredited? Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, um, so th this is a very good question. So I think um, in terms of the real world, these applications, I think because students tend to focus on what is in the curriculum. So if, if, if this is like, you know, the parallel or is, is not part of their main curriculums, perhaps they wouldn't pay uh, as much as attention as they pay attention, you know, as they focus on their main curriculum. So I think where possible, um, this real world application or so-called authentic assessments should be part of the curriculum and um, I, I, I'm aware that I think very often this can also down to the practicality issues because when we want to make things authentic that means there's lots of efforts needs to be made to kind of connect to for example the in industry you know having the industry people to come in to uh, assess the students performance but how scalable or you know in terms of the 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 um the the scales and also in terms of the timeline it is sustainable this might a lot of other questions might come in uh, for this but i i feel if possible i think the curriculum um, and assessment practice we should provide as much as um, the opportunities for students to build this like authentic experience as part of their learning experience at, at the university and just to quickly also add on to that, so in terms of what that might look like in terms of the actual assessment, so we know that in some disciplines, you know, the use of exams, for example, are quite common and quite popular, but those 
arguably has quite limited applications in the real world because you don't keep sitting exams in real life. Whereas, you know, assessment techniques such as presentations, report writing, portfolios, those kind of assessments have a, have, it's a bit easier to, to, to embed some real life situations into the part of assessment. So, uh, yeah, I, I think having the real world application uh, as part of the assessment, it will be so useful to promote a holistic understanding of how you apply your learning into the real world situation. Yeah, and I, can I just just add one more thing? So, sorry, Santanu. So, uh, I also feel this is quite important, especially in uh, um, in the STEM disciplines where a lot of the assessment practice is very much exam based. And when it is exam based, it's a lot of you know that you know the students will have like a single single best and answers to the, the questions. But we know in the real world, a lot of the situations are students need to be able to experience that uncertainty and come up with their, their their solution. So it's not as simple as, you know, this is a black and white. So with these authentic assessments to embed as part of the curriculum, it, it, it's really important. But uh, we also we, we, we are aware of the challenging aspects of it. But I think if the teaching team is really committed to support the student to to go beyond simply their academic performance and to value there are a lot of essential important skills they also need to develop as part of their university experience then we should try our best to to build this authenticity as part of the curriculum thank you to doctors billy wong and tiffany chu Billy and Tiffany's book, The Ideal Student, Deconstructing Expectations in Higher Education, published by the Open University Press, is available in all good bookstores now. Coming up next time on Talking HE, next time on Talking HE, we speak to Dr. Dawn Irving Bell about the National Teaching Repository, a preview coming up. Repository is an open educational resource, so it's a an open access online database where colleagues can upload tried and tested strategies, um, things that they know work in practice and it's a space where they can be housed safely and harvested by other colleagues from across the sector. So anyone um, can upload those resources and share their uh, pedagogical research, their approaches, their ideas, their educational um, resources. And obviously by sharing them that can um, help other people but also it can help them and I'll come to that a little bit later on about how they can gain recognition um, and protection of their academic and intellectual property. All that and more in the next episode of Talking HE. If you have any comments, suggestions or would like to take part in a future episode of Talking HE, please contact us via at Talking HE pod. Until then, I've been Santanu Vasant and this has been Talking HE.